0: We do welcome you to the podcast. It is Live Transformed with Dr. Jim Richards, my wife Audrey, and myself. And this is episode number 265. Glad you're with us.
1: Yeah, we really are. I just love um, just the amount of time we've spent together. I'm listening to you guys and I'm just thinking of us as listeners. We're all really best friends. We really are. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is going to be an incredible new um, focus that we're taking, a new topic today. And I just believe that it's going to increase your heart to receive from God, because when we see God as he is, Mm. we are able to focus on that easier. The bigger something is in front of you, the easier it is to focus on. And so to see God is just something that will bring favor and blessing and just joy to your life. So... So that I have a, I could, I am just full yeah. of excitement for Looking, this. I, yeah. I love excitement. You know, it's one of my favorite yeah. emotions. So Absolutely. I'm excited. To, <laughs> you don't even mind, do you, Jim? That I love <laughs> no, excitement.
2: <laughs> you know, excitement is contagious.
1: Oh, so, okay.
2: You know, when you're around people that are excited, uh, I, I can tell you this: I would rather catch what an excited person has than catch what a depressed person has. <laughs> <laughs>
1: if there's going to be some contagious things going on some emotions going on you'd rather catch and the moods excitement
0: are definitely contagious oh, right.
1: moods are contagious yep. you
2: know when i get and i try to do this in a way that won't hurt anybody but i tell you when i get around <laughs> somebody that is a complainer you know a whiner
0: uh <laughs> you don't I, stay around too long
2: i don't I, and i do it very tactfully so it won't hurt their feelings <laughs> But uh, it's just like I am. I am getting away <laughs> from this, and I'm you know I'm treating it like it is a part of the plague that I could catch, <laughs> and before long I could have what they have.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. I was walking Winston this morning, and our words are so important because we are telling ourselves stories all the time in our own head. And so I passed the guy across the street, and he he he, he caught caught sight of Winston, and he goes, "Oh, I didn't even see." see you because the sun was so bright. I said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here with Winston. I said, listen, have a great day. I just wanted to keep moving. So I yeah, just say so- that. I said, have a really great day. He goes, well, I'm going to Tucson, Arizona, so I will not be having a good day, but I hope that you have a good day. And I went,
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Interesting yeah. story that you're telling yourself. <laughs>
2: okay. So what what he did is he gave you like a 30 second uh dose of depression.
1: Yeah. Well yeah, and I and I just kind of shook my head and went, huh, it just sort of was amazing to me that you're you're prophesying it's, your day, and it's just right. like yeah. it's an it's an interesting focus that you're giving yourself. You mm-hmm. know, because you can go either direction on, yep. on either of those. You can say mm. I'm going to have a two hour drive, and it's it's going to be relaxing, and I'm going to you know really enjoy okay. that drive and get some. Well,
2: even if you're, even if you don't believe that, why would you want to start talking about you know how unhappy <laughs> you're going to be? <laughs> <laughs> what was well, that about? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got some, I got some aches and pains. I want to, tell you. you know, you know. When I was a, a runaway, part of the time I was a runaway. I ended up living with my crazy grandmother. Yeah. And so um I stayed with her. She, we lived in a duplex, and there was a nurse next door that was about her same age, and a lot of times her and that nurse would be sitting in the living room talking and it would be like uh, it would be top that gripe in other words can you top this gripe i've got because let me tell you last night i was laying in bed and then suddenly i got this pain i think it was in my gallbladder and so you know one of them would come out with some big stories like i was laying in bed last night and i suddenly stopped breathing i think my heart stopped (laughs) and you know and so Everyone they would just go back and forth exaggerating how miserable they were. And they were miserable. They were miserable people. But man, I used to listen to it. I'm thinking, I don't I don't want to hear this. I don't I don't want to be around this.
1: I love it. There's a game called The Price Is Right, and then there's another game called Top That Gripe.
2: Top That Gripe. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But you know what? Here, here's the great thing. And and, and I, you know. I had a guy, a pastor get really upset with me back in the, uh, it was in the 80s, and uh, uh, I'd had a real influence on the guy's life. He was uh, the pastor of a first Baptist church. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He wanted me to come in and introduce his whole church to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and and I did, and it was a powerful message, and then then uh, basically we started I don't know where we started drifting apart. Well, I thought it was because of the message, you know, of the Holy yeah. Spirit was maybe a little more than he thought it was going to be. And right. well, I understand that. And so we we ended up, I was back in the, in the state that he, you know, where his church was. And we went out to eat together one night. I said, Man, what, you know, what's happening? Why are we drifting apart? And he said, well, Jim, I really just... uh don't want to go the direction you're going. I said, you mean with the Holy Spirit? He said, no, I'm, I'm fine with that. I said, well, what's the problem? He said, you know, I just don't really think that you're real. I said, well, in what sense? He <laughs> says, you know, because, because you always seem like you're up. And I said, well, that's pretty much because I am pretty much always up. Hmm. And uh, he said, so you're saying nothing ever goes wrong. No, stuff goes wrong all the time. But, you know, that, has, that is not going to determine what my mood and what, how I'm looking at yeah, life is exactly, going to be. Exactly,
1: Jim, exactly. And so he says,
2: well, let me ask you this. He said, so if somebody walk, if you're having a really, really bad day, he said, and somebody yeah. walks up to you and says, say, how's it going? I, he said, what would you say? I, would, I said, well, I would probably say it's going great. He said, see, that's a lie. He said, you're, you're, <laughs> just, you're, just, you're just one of those people who is going to try to act like everything's great when it's not
0: great. And he said, I'm
2: not going that way. I want to be more real. I said, well, where you're going, not real. Just it's, it's where you're going is just negative. But it's really interesting that he chose to align <laughs> himself with other ministers who focused on negativity, who focused on what was wrong, who you know, yeah. who focus on the gripes and, and, and the complaints. <laughs> and you know, I never could make him understand, you know, if somebody asked me how it's going, I'm not I I don't care how the world's going. I don't care how my circumstances are going. What I care about what's going is what's going on inside me.
1: Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. I love it.
2: So, you know, so much of that, so much of your foundational outlook on life really has nothing to do with your circumstances it has to do if you if your connection with god is your life mm-hmm. i mean if that's really your life and i hate to say it not being critical but honestly i don't really meet a lot of christians that their relationship with god is the definition of their life you know they're good people right. they're they're allowing god to do certain things in their life that they have occasional days where it's like they're happy because that particular day, maybe something good has happened. But, you know, we we can't, we can't limit our happiness or joy or faith or anything. We can't limit that to the occasional experience. It it, it needs to emerge out of who am I because I'm in this relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And, And, and so then since God is eternal, since God is immutable, since God, I never he never changes. You know, God yes. never gets up. You know, you're praying, God's like, hold on a minute. And you're like, what? and He's like, don't bother me today. I didn't sleep good last night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: it's so true. What you're getting at, Jim, is so real. Like you said it like this. If your connection with God is your life, um, you, you can't limit your joy to circumstances or your positivity. Oh. and And I just love how you said that because connection with God is so real yep. and it's so 24-7. It's that underlying sort of reservoir beneath yeah. your life <laughs> that is constantly available to drink from. And, it's, and that's even scriptural. Out of your belly yeah. will flow springs of living mm-hmm. water. And when you're drinking of that water all day, yeah, circumstances just don't always go great. But yeah. you know what? That literally does not have to affect our mood. No,
0: mm-hmm. I know it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. I think this leads perfectly into today's topic. Yeah. In this yeah. new series that we're yeah, in, it, it does. you know, seeing God as he is. Yeah. I think some people think, well, I'm just being honest. No, no. you're actually hurting others and you're hurting your day. You know, you're, you're creating limitations, yeah. you know, that really don't need to be there. No. And so in, as we move into this new series of seeing God as he is, um, I, th- I believe that we want to begin to take the limitations off God and really begin to uh, experience some new God, uh, real infinite possibilities. So true. You. And
1: even if you're not seeing people and, and sharing the joy and the excitement that you have for God, you are affecting the atmosphere. You're affecting the world mm-hmm. just by mm-hmm. choosing how you're going to see God. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. think we even understand the impact that we have <laughs> of how our, cho- our choice of thoughts and focus and praise and all those things are affecting our entire world. And oh, so absolutely. It's just exciting to, yep. there's my word again, it's exciting to see God as He is. Because if, yep. if we truly do see God as He is, we will be able to effortlessly move in joy and peace oh, in yeah. our day.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the first book I published back in the 80s, a lot of people ask me, say, what's the, what's the, what material do you have that is the best thing to introduce people to l- the lifestyle and the message you know, you That's preach a and good teach. question.
1: That's a really good and question. I always
2: tell them, you know, a book that anybody should be able to handle, no matter what their beliefs is, is taking the limits off God. That, and that was yeah. the first book that I published. Now, that book was so cornerstone. And, you know, you know, you know how it is you can look back to certain times in your life and you, you realize when you started not just kind of picking up, a, a, you know, a belief to preach, but when you started picking up a belief that, that it kind of evolved into one of your core concepts. Yeah. And, you know, the first time I talked much about putting limits on God, I had people fight against it. They said, like, you can't limit God. You know, you're not that big. You're not that powerful. And I'm like, yes, you can, because the Bible says you can. And basically, you know, when you get over uh, 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 in the Psalms, I don't know if it's Psalm 76, 78, somewhere in there. You know, uh, uh, the psalmist says that, you know, the children of Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. Mm-hmm. And it talks about that their, their inability to, re- to receive what God was offering was a lack of faith. And not faith to get stuff, but, you know, faith to believe who God is. And therefore, they limited God to their perception of God. Mhm, mhm. And so, you know, once you once you create a perception of God, once you create a way of seeing God, then that paradigm forces you then to create other doctrines that are in harmony with that. Therefore, mm-hmm. to some degree, every doctrine that you create, if you're if you're limiting God in any way, then every doctrine that you're willing to receive, every doctrine that you create, every tool that you try to come up with that you're gonna to use to manage your life is gonna be a doctrine or a tool that limits God in your life. Mm-hmm. And then you're gonna spend your whole life blaming God.
0: Right, right. And it's not, it, the the doctrine, you know, the mindset that you do create, yeah, that's real. Yeah. <clears throat> but more than that, you'll actually gather further evidence That's what you believe is true. All of a sudden there's another experience. Oh, you see, here it is again. Oh, there it is again. And you keep this pattern and it be just it just becomes perpetual. And all of a sudden, oh, here's another one. Here's see, I knew it. And and again, because now what you're doing is you're affirming the beliefs of your heart and the limitations that you've placed on yourself and on God.
2: Oh yeah. Well, you know, you know, probably. You know, this would describe a a a cycle, and and it's kind of it's really interesting throughout the scripture when you when you look at the destruction you know that the nation of Israel got into, and that's where we're supposed to be looking: Israel coming out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea. You know, roaming through the wilderness, going into the promised land. That is the one and only model that we have of our journey of coming out of the world and going into the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and, but sadly, we're never taught that. So, so, so we don't look at it. But what you start seeing when you kind of dissect this a little bit, you start seeing these cycles that you know that, that they begin here and then you go here and here and here and here and here and then finally if you ever get to repentance then you go back to the good shape that you were in start with. So so you know this is this 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 uh pattern or this cycle um it's not just it is the fact that you are having these limiting experiences but you actually allude it to the fact that you're not just having these experiences, you are creating these yes. experiences. Yes. I and think
1: that's, that, that's the part where everything changes. When you start to have the full understanding that you are co-creating with God yep. and you have so much choice in how this is going to go, yep. depending on how much you're going to see God for who he really yep. is.
2: So, But I want to make sure everybody understands. You know, I'm not saying anything different than Bob said. I'm just using a different terminology. Oh, yeah. He,
1: no, it's exactly. He, yes. he,
2: he said it exactly, and he explained it exactly. And mm-hmm. But see, people don't want to realize the power, the authority, the responsibility yes. that we really have, and that yeah. we can create limiting situations, which then become limiting experiences, which becomes false evidence that you're Faith is mm-hmm. true, which becomes a, a downward spin in what you're willing to believe God for. And it just takes you on this whole cycle mm-hmm. of believing less and less and less, experiencing less and less and less, which causes you to believe less and less and less. And experience, you know what I mean? It just becomes yeah. this never-ending cycle.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and I had, man, I'll tell you, I had a lot of people fight me on this back in uh, the early 80s. Oh, but, I can
1: only imagine. <laughs> oh, man. This was, this, this might sound like it's sort of almost easy to, uh, eat if you're talking about eating just spiritual oh. food. But back in the 80s, oh, no. this was this was this was oh. counter cultural to the Christian teaching that was going on.
2: Well stop and think about this. I don't know. And I know I know there are, but I really don't know of any major groups of believers uh, that Ever depart from the concept that God is in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Word of faith people, they believe God's in control. Pentecostals believe God's in control. Baptists believe God's in control. Presbyterians yeah, believe God is in control of the breath that you take. You know, you know what I mean? And so yes. if God is in control, how could you limit him? Because wow. everything's God's fault. Yeah. And yeah. so we we have no responsibility. Yes, yes. So I began looking, when I, was, when I was, when this was developing in my heart, you know, there's scriptures and stuff that you the three of us teach and, you know, some of our friends teach that, you know, they're just as common as having a conversation for us, but they weren't as common as having a conversation back in the 80s. hmm
1: hmm
2: Because we had all, to some degree, at that stage in, in church history— we all, to some degree, didn't know it, but we had actually been pushed into limiting uh, beliefs about God, limiting uh, perceptions of God, because that was the only way we could justify the fact that most of our Christian life wasn't working the way the Bible said it should. And so, you know, back then, you know, if, we'd have been ha- if we would have been having this conversation in 1984, Uh, Even if we believed it, you know, uh, it would have been a much different conversation because at that point in time, even though we might have believed, okay, you can limit God, we wouldn't have really, I don't think, really known much about what that looked like in real life. But also the biggest problem was we wouldn't know much about what the cure.
1: I was going to say, we wouldn't know what to do next. We might be open to thinking about this and maybe, but we wouldn't know how to move forward from here. And um, I think that's, that's the part that's so motivating and energizing is that, in fact, the fact that we partner with God and co-create with God, with God, and we do have this authority on earth to choose um, really that line that our perception is our reality becomes so real because we can choose every single day, every minute, how we're going to perceive this. I mean, that example from the guy across the street is the perfect example. His perception is his reality yep. because truth be told, he's going to have a day today. I don't know how it's going to go. I hope it goes well, yeah. but his reality is going to be focused and looking for what's going to be a bummer about driving to Tucson yeah. today. Because
2: you, 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 you know, the Bible says, you know, seek and you shall find. Well, there's something I think we lead out of the concept of that phrase. It's not just, Seek God, and that's what you'll find. Seek God's answer. That's what's find. Whatever you're seeking determines what you will find. Yes. And so, yes. when you are like, like, when you have an expectation of, of yeah. things not working out, you will start perceiving and conversations and words mm-hmm. that people say, and yes. the way they look at you, you will start picking up on the signals. It. You will see it. Yes. That say, uh, no, this ain't good. This is not going to yes. go
1: good. Recently, someone just said to me a line, they said, my family's just so dumb. And I said, well, um, you'll find what you're looking for. If that's what you've decided that your family's dumb, you're going to keep um, finding evidence of that. And that's going to just be what your reality is stuck to. That's the limit that's going to be on you and your relationship with your family.
2: But you know what now we need to give somebody like that a lot of mercy cuz maybe their family is dumb. I
1: mean <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I was good. I was waiting oh, for no. I was just like I, I was like Jim is going to do something cheeky <laughs> with this dumb I family thing. One. Uh yeah, your family's pretty dumb. <laughs>
2: you know um uh- you guys know, you know. For a while, I worked with Norval Hayes. Nor- Norval Hayes, he was wild and bizarre. I mean, he was. He was just one of yeah. the most bizarre people. Interestingly, though, there were people that I knew really reputable people. Where I went to Bible college, the guy that headed up our our, our Greek language, you know, program, uh, he just died not long ago. Burl Bagwell, wonderful, wonderful man. He had incredible influence on me, deepening. My passion to study language. You know, I was already hmm. studying language as a new believer, but this guy really took it to a whole another level. But uh, Brother Bangwell, you know, I think he was on staff with uh, with Brother Hagen, and I'm not trying to put Brother Hagen down. But I'm about to say, but you know, one of the things that he said he said, he said, you know, I was in all those meetings with Brother Hagen, and and he list would list a whole. You know, a bunch of guys who had healing ministries and that sort of thing. And he's and one of the things he he said he said look, he said all those guys were real. They were you know they were legitimate. They got results. He said, but nobody got results on the spot like Norval Hayes. <laughs> and I, I, I traveled with Norval and I saw that myself. I mean, he got he got incredible results. But and so Norval, even though he was wild as a bat, man, I'm telling you, and just in some ways, just I don't know, just in some ways, just crazy. But evidently, you know I like crazy, so so that was good.:
1: I was going to say when you when you started describing him as bizarre and wild, I went, "Wow, that's way more fun to hang out with someone like that than someone boring. That sounds super interesting.
2: <laughs> but brother, Brother Hayes would come out some I mean, he would come out with some of the most unscriptural things you ever heard.: Oh, okay. but he would come out with some of the most profound, but you got to remember he he came up in a Baptist church got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, was in the charismatic movement, then got in the Word of Faith movement. So, I mean, back in those days, people were just working out their theology. Yeah, of course. They they were not very advanced, really, in their theological concepts. Mm -hmm. But he would, man, he would come out with some profound statements. And several times I would hear him talk about, he would tell a story about sitting sitting there watching a particular pastor that at that time was on television, that was one of the most popular pastors in America. And he said, you know, I sit here watching this guy. And he said, the thing that I realize is what's so dangerous about people like him is not what they're preaching wrong. It's what they're leaving out.
1: Oh. That's, that's profound right you
2: see if somebody preaches something that's incorrect you got the scripture to go to go to and say well, wait a minute the reference yeah mm-hmm. i got a reference point oh wait a minute but if somebody's just leaving something out you don't even have a reference point to say, i better check that out you know you just you know what i mean there's nothing to fight about because you don't realize that that they just that they just left it out now the apostle paul and I tell you, the first time I read this I, as a new believer, I'm telling you, I cried. As in Acts 20, and and Paul, you know, he was he was on his way back to Jerusalem, and he he contacts the the elders and the leaders of the church. I think it was Ephesus, wasn't it the the Ephesian church? And mm-hmm. and so they had to travel 25 miles, which was quite a a journey back in that day. And so they come over to meet him. He didn't want to go into the city because he knew it caused a riot. And, and the one thing that Roman, that Roman government would not tolerate was riots and contention that, you know, you could, you could do all kinds of horrible, horrible things, kill your baby, you know, uh, murder your slave, all that kind of stuff. But man, if you caused a riot, you were, you were in trouble. And so he didn't want to bring that kind of you know conflict to the church so so i don't even remember the port where they met him and uh so he gives his farewell speech and uh uh let me see if i let me see if i can pull that up real quick like i think i I think i've got it that i can get to it let me see here so so in acts 20 yeah he says he's speaking to him he says and indeed now i know that you all Among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. And of course, you know, it talks about how they they wept and wept because of this. And that was that for some reason, that was just so profound to me that that this guy that had laid down his life for these people, you know, he's saying his final farewell to them.
1: Yeah.
2: And so, so he says, so here's what he's saying. He says, therefore, I testify to you this day. Um, that I am innocent of the blood of all men, now, when you think about being innocent or guilty of the blood of all men or a blood of any man you, you 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 know we're usually thinking about you know killing somebody killing yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, doing violence or something like that and then, but then he clarifies this, he clarifies what as a man of God makes him innocent of the blood mm-hmm. of all the mm-hmm. people that he preached to he says. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, I'm not going to go any farther in that because, I mean, people can look it up and read the whole passage, but right. stop and think about it. Then what he is inferring is that if I preach half-truths to you, if I leave out some aspect of the counsel of God, or you know who Jesus is, then mm-hmm. then I cause a deficiency in your life. You know, I might if I, if I leave out healing, then you might be f- facing a, a, a physical health disaster, catastrophe, and, and it might cut your life short. It might end up meaning your whole family gets destroyed. It might end up meaning you don't fulfill your destiny and and hundreds or thousands or millions of people do not hear the gospel, you know, that they otherwise in other words, you just go down this list of everything that I leave out creates a deficiency in the quality of your life, which means your blood is on my hands
1: hmm. because
2: of what I left out.
1: Wow.
2: Now to me that's pretty that's- profound. That's yeah.
1: profound, and it's 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 heavy, well, yeah, like it's, it's severe, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So you, you start thinking about the whole council of God, and and I think I think we would get maybe overly theological, even though it would be true and accurate. We would probably get over overly theological, you know, at us as you know as people who have studied the Word of God a whole lot start talking about what does that mean, you know. We, we we would go to major doctrines, but when I think about the average person that's sitting there trying to sort through life and they're a believer i think more about i think more about where you know you know the word doubt is an interesting word mm-hmm. doubt and unbelief are not the same thing we, we think it is but it totally two different things unbelief is really uh more like an could be like an agnostic because mm-hmm. it's uh unbelief is and uh, the greek would be a pistis and anytime you see that A ah before a word, that means no. So that would be no belief. I just don't have a belief. And so the person that is in it is, it is unbelief, I mean, there's a lot of reasons they could be there. But doubt is a totally different thing. Doubt is where you know what the Word of God is, and then there's something else maybe that you desire, something that you've been taught, something else that fits your culture better. And so doubt is when you choose between the Word of God and something else, and you choose the something else. So I see avoiding or falling short of the full counsel of God as, say, from the pulpit, you know, a preacher that doesn't believe in healing, for example, is not preaching the whole counsel of God. Hmm. So, so he has chosen between where the scriptures clearly promise healing. You know, I, I was, I was uh, uh, reading a book by somebody that I really like, and I, and I enjoy a lot of their stuff, and, and how he was attempting to refute physical healing, uh, uh, you know, as being a part of what we have through the cross of Christ. And I'm telling mm. you, this guy's a language expert. He has to choose not to see it.
1: Yes, yes.
2: So, but that is that is saying, I am choosing between what the scripture says and basically what my culture or my denomination or what group. Mm. And what's interesting, this guy's a radical in so many areas, you'd think, man, why would you back down over this? You know, there, But there's gotta be a reason. That is interesting, yes. So. I, you know, one of the movements that I r- make reference to today, and I only make and I, I, I probably need to find a more positive way to deal with it, is, is the liberal or the fake grace movement, because I think they are destroying so many people through half-truths. Mm-hmm. See, a half-truth sounds true because you may actually be saying what the Bible says. But you're leaving out other important parts of what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. So that half-truth says, I'm not going to lie to you, but I am going to leave this out so that when you look at God from your desperate circumstances, when you look at God, when you're sick, when you're broke, when your marriage is blown up, when you look at God, when you need rescuing from your most life-threatening, relationship-threatening situation, well, the problem is you're not going to see God the deliverer. You're not going to see that aspect of God because that was left out by the people that were preaching to you and teaching you and helping develop your basic concepts of God. So that means, you know, in a meeting, you go into a meeting, you preach healing, you're going to get people going to get healed. That's mainly what's going to happen if that's what your whole focus is. Yes. If you go into another meeting and you preach about prayer, people are going to want to pray. Yeah. You go into another meeting and, you know, I'm, and that's just the way it is. People have the ability to expand if you will, their consciousness of God Mm -hmm. based on what they're hearing uh, and perceiving uh, or what they're not hearing and perceiving.
1: Does that make sense to you? Yes. You said it so well. People have the capacity to increase their consciousness of God depending on where their focus is or what they're listening yeah. to, what they're hearing, what they're, what they're moving towards. I mean, back to that thing that you just said, you're going to seek and you'll find. You're going you're to find what you're looking for. And so if you're looking for healing in God, you're going to find it. But and if you're you, going to increase your consciousness. in But if in you that. don't
2: know there's healing in God... You know, that's that's going to be the reason you don't find it, because you, you don't know. You know, the very basic scripture, you know, about faith is faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, now in, in that Greek where it says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, word W.R.D. is rhema in the Greek language. Now, when they, that first started being taught back in the uh, late 60s and 70s, the the interpret, interpretive background or the interpretive foundation for that was, we know that rhema is a spoken word. Now, one of the things they did, they said, okay, rhema is a spoken word, logos is the written word. Well, both of those defi- uh, are de- one, one of those definitions is mildly incorrect. And the definition of logos is, <laughs> is radically incorrect. But then they twisted the whole concept of rhema another degree so they start saying then the logos is the written word, but the rhema is when God himself speaks it to you. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. Well, if
2: you go back and look at almost every place where the word rhema is used, not, it's not this way in every place, but it is predominantly the word that was spoken to you by the person who presented the gospel to you. And so, so the person who is presenting the gospel to you is bringing the rhema to you. And so they are shaping what you're going to believe about god based on what they present and what they don't present and one is just as powerful as the other so so what am i hearing you know what is shaping the way i'm viewing god right now yes now i referred to this scripture i think back in the very beginning of this conversation in psalm 140 verse 12 it says surely The righteous shall give thanks to your name and the upright shall dwell in your presence. Now, back when I was first, again, getting my mind around this whole thing about how do we put limits on God, uh, uh, this is where this, this realization, because I was in these meetings where I started realizing, isn't it interesting that whatever the preacher preaches on, Turns out to be what the people respond to and pursue and experience. So so I'm starting to you know get this concept of, okay, you know, the word that you hear determines how your faith is shaped. and that's what, that's why in, in Romans 10, if you go back and start in verse one, man, it changes what Romans 10 seventeen really, really means, because it goes through this whole process. And really, it comes down to, did the person who preached to you, did they preach the gospel of peace? And that's where it says, then faith comes by hearing and hearing about what was preached to you. And the reason people don't believe in the gospel of peace, how many preachers have you ever heard teach about the covenant of peace or the gospel of peace or or that God's at peace with the world? They don't. So that's not a part of what most people believe about God. So so along about that time, you know, I'm starting to see how much what we talk about to other believers, not just preach from the pulpit, but the conversations that we have, the testimonies that we share, the things that we emphasize or don't emphasize, how much that affects whoever we're talking to, how they're gonna perceive God, how they're gonna believe God, and what aspects of God they're gonna experience. So you put that couple that with this passage and you start saying, okay, surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. And, and uh, you know, in the, in the Word of Faith movement, the way that you would understand that is like, you, you know, you just keep giving thanks and if you give thanks enough, you'll get healed. You know, it was like, had nothing to do with true gratitude. That, you know, it was just a formula that if I thank God, 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 finally, God will go, okay, I'm going to heal you, just get you to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But uh, but if giving thanks is gratitude, then if you're giving gratitude to the name of God, then evidently you may not have even experienced that yet, But you're, but you've at least been introduced to it enough that you— you know, you have value for it, and you you know you hmm. want to explore it. You start recognizing, man, this is who God is. He is Jehovah Rophi. You know, so it's uh, like uh,
1: gratitude is just an incredible. It's I almost almost even want to use the word safe, Jim. Yeah, that gratitude is like a safe um, way to not get mixed up yeah. in half truth or anything. Because if we're going to be full of gratitude, it's going to almost open up. The, the space yeah. for everything of who God is without limits.
2: You know, gratitude is one of the most empowering emotions that we know of. And mm-hmm. if you look up, just, you know, go online, look at the, is the word antithesis, you know, the, the opposite of gratitude is entitlement.
0: Mm.
2: People who are not grateful, mm. whatever they get, they feel like it's owed to them. And so, mm. and, and man, we could go, we could go miles down that road, but we we won't right now, <laughs> unless you want to. I mean, if you want, no, if- no,
0: no. it's just that I hadn't put those two together. <laughs> no.
2: And and yeah.
0: how tragic that is. Yeah. And so we'll just leave it there. Yeah, um, I mean, you just stop. We, we, we're experiencing that. Yeah. You with this younger generation. Well, well, and we taught them so, that. <laughs> you, okay, there you go.
2: Yeah. So you go back to this verse and says, okay, so you know i've been in one way or another i've heard a preacher talk about this i'm reading scriptures about some aspect of some name of god Mm -hmm, jehovah mm -hmm. you know my provider jehovah my you know my protector you know the lord my shepherd i mean all of these different aspects of the name of god and what that represents about who god is and really people of faith uh they don't have people of faith do not have to experience something to be grateful for it because see faith is to believe what god has already said what god has already offered it it, is not about working god up and getting him to do it and then you're grateful for it no it's just about the fact if this is who god is faith starts experiencing something in their heart before they experience it in their body or before they experience it in their circumstance. <laughs> and so, man, you can be incredibly grateful for something that you've never even experienced.
1: This is what I love about faith so much. This is this is like the hack. This is like You could even call it like a trick. Like the thing is, you don't have to experience it. You can have faith means I get to have it just because of who God is. I get to have that joy. I get to have that peace, that expectation of just who he is. This is when you said earlier that if you're truly having connection with God, how can you not have joy? Because faith literally ignites the fact that God is good. And so, of course, things like... Even things not having to go good. God is good.
2: Oh, and and when, it, when you believe it in your heart, you all, always experience it as if it's true and real in your life yes, right now. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. The, it doesn't the, leave. The last half of this verse, though, brings in what I think is just, I mean, this created a paradigm shift for me. And then I started looking at all kinds of other scriptures and realized, how have I been missing this? You know, so surely the righteous shall give thanks unto your name Mm -hmm. and the upright shall dwell in your presence. Well, based on all of these factors that we just talked about, the presence of God that I'm going to dwell in is not going to be the general presence of God. I mean, I might, but but that's that's not what he's talking about here. He is linking an aspect of the presence of God to directly to the gratitude and the awareness that you have of a particular aspect of God and his name. So the mm. person that the person that's reading the Bible or sitting in a church and you're I mean, I've used healing a lot here. I I hope I don't overuse that. There's just the easiest example that I can think Mm -hmm. of. So let's say that you've been struggling. You're sitting in church. You may not have gotten healed yet, but suddenly, man, it comes alive inside you that God is a healer. And so now you're realizing that if God's a healer, that means He'll heal you. That means there's a potential for you to get healed, and you start coming alive. And then, but when you move to from the place of awareness to the place of gratitude, it all changes.
1: Hmm. Because again,
2: gratitude is not something you you fake to get God to do something. Gratitude is a a a a responsive experience to something that you are.
1: Hmm.
2: That is happening.
1: Yes, yes.
2: And so you're sitting there, and you're listening to that message, or you're reading that book, or you're listening to this podcast, or whatever, and and, and you're starting to focus on this aspect of God and who He is, and, and now you're not just having an internal emotional response to God the healer. Now you start experiencing. The manifestation of God, Mm -hmm. the healer, the presence of God, the healer. This would be like sitting in a room and, and, you know, there's somebody that you've been in love with all of your life. They've never, ever noticed you. And you sit there and you start thinking about, man, wouldn't it be great if they walk through that door? And before you know it, you've kind of moved from wouldn't it be great if to start kind of imagining that they are walking through that door and, and, you know, that they notice you for the first time and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and so you're going to start feeling all these incredible emotions. And then suddenly that person walks through the door
0: hmm. and they notice
2: you not because of what you did. I'm not, I'm, I'm don't go take it to the example too far, mm-hmm. but moving to gratitude is like when that person mm-hmm. really does walk through the door, because mm-hmm. in this case, god walks through the door of your heart so you know what i want to do as as we always do this was a foundational this was a foundational introduction yes yes. and so we won't you know we'll move farther and farther into what it means to to take the limits off god to move past half truths and come into how it becomes possible and natural for us to see God as he is.
1: You know, I'm really glad that you you talked about not just the general presence. We're talking about back to that Psalm 140, you know, the righteous dwell in your presence. Not just the general presence of God, but it's linked to his very name, the yep. very thing that he is. And, and we were talking about healing. And Jim, while you were talking about healing, I was thinking about him as my shepherd mm. because I, um, I, love a, I love being led yes. and I love that he leads me. Yep. Yep. into green pastures and still wars. I love that he leads my day. I love that he leads my moments. He, He, lead, I love that he leads. He's a God who leads because yep. he's a very shepherd that takes care of his sheep. And so I feel very taken care of that he leads me. Okay. And it's just interesting. I'm just trying to bring more, how met, how this is just an opening to, you could study his names for, you know, and all the things of who he is. Yeah. But it's so um, powerful to think that what does it really mean to take the limits off God yep. and experience Him, and and then the manifestation? It's not that that gratitude being that responsive experience. The manifestation, the manifestation yep. really does happen, yep. and and we experience it. And then because you've experienced it before, just because of faith, the manifestation is wonderful. But it's not even the best part. The best part was the faith part. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Thanks, Jim.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you, guys. And throughout your day, Scripture says so clearly, you know, pray without ceasing. Well, what you're doing is you're choosing to set your focus and your attention. Mm. Yep. You know, that and so, you know, just allow yourself today to take this and and remind yourself, allow yourself throughout the day just to continue to remember and to recall and to be thankful you yep. know, in everything scripture says in everything, give thanks yep. for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You see, all of a sudden you're, um, tilling the soil of your heart, Yeah. you know, to receive the word of God, that it would really produce, uh, you know, an abundance of righteousness mm-hmm. in your life. So I'm excited about this uh, series going forward.
1: Yeah. Mm. Excited. It's good. Let's go yeah. back to the beginning. Let's Full go circle.
0: <clears throat> it's
1: fun to be excited because It's catchy. That's right. That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> it is
2: catchy. <laughs> so everybody get loaded up and ready for the next podcast because we're gonna we're gonna take another step toward yeah application manifestation.
1: I love it. What, All right, those are great words. Okay. Thanks,
0: everyone. And again, uh, be sure to share the podcast with others. Let them know uh, this is the beginning of a new series. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, which,
1: Seeing God, who He is.
0: Thank you, baby. Yeah. Uh, n- um, number two sixty-five. We'll see yeah. you next week. Bye bye.